Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 461 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And this is our Weekender edition, the 89th edition of the Weekender, where we talk about upcoming contests and special events in amateur radio and in open source and a few things of interest, maybe a distribution that might interest you. And then we get to the good stuff, the hedonism, the food, the song, the wine, the whiskey, all the things that make life worth listening. So we're glad you've joined us for the Weekender. We're hoping to uh, have a good show for you. Appreciate you being here. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And before we get to the really good stuff, we try and give you some informative things, a little bit of update on the next couple of weeks, some things you can try out or plan to do if you've got some time in the worlds of amateur radio and open source. And Bill is going to take us through some of the upcoming amateur radio contests. That's right, and these contests come from ContestCalendar.com, the most amazingest ContestCalendarist.com that there could be. And uh, this weekend, we have the EA Ritty Contest. Uh, of course, that's the Spanish Ritty Contest, uh, and it runs from 1200 Zulu April 2nd to 1200 Zulu April 3rd. Bands there are 80 meters through 10 meters, as is pretty traditional in a Ritty Contest. Uh, mode is Ritty, and details, Spanish stations send RSQ and their province abbreviation. So you'll be collecting those if you're not in Spain. And then DX stations will be sending their RSQ and the serial number starting with uh, 001. So set up your contest software appropriately, and uh, you can run the EA Ritty contest. And also we have the, uh, uh, I will mention the Radar Challenge is also this weekend. So you can check that out. We talked about it last episode. It's not officially a contest, so it doesn't even appear in the contest calendar.com, but uh, definitely you could uh, you can participate or check that out uh, this weekend. If you're doing some contesting, they'll, they'll be on the bands. Uh, State QSO Party Challenge and Work Talk QSO Parties. We have three, oh, your state's in here, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Missouri. Ooh. So... Stay QSO party this weekend for you. Uh, that looks pretty cool. And let's see, next weekend, well, another busy weekend for Stay QSO party challenges, but uh, we'll talk about the JIDX CW contest. Uh, that is running from uh, 0700 Zulu April 9th to 1300 Zulu April 10th. Bands there are 160 meters through 10 meters. And, of course, it's CW. And this is for amateurs around the world to contact uh, Japan stations in as many J- Japan prefectures uh, 
and JD1 Islands as possible for amateurs in Japan to contact DX stations, DX stations in as many, God, I can't say all this stuff, DXCC entities <laughs> and CQ zones as possible. Uh, exchange numbers are pretty simple. JAs are going to send you their RST and a prefecture number, uh, 0, 1 through 50. And uh, other stations outside will be sending RST and CQ zone. So just have your CQ zone and you should be good to go for that contest. And the stay QSO party challenges and worked out QSO parties for next weekend are Georgia, Nebraska, New Mexico, and North Dakota. So we got four of them coming in. So make sure you uh, keep track of all of those. I believe uh, a lot of the contest software allows you to work all of them at the same time, and then it'll separate them out. So uh, if not, you might have to do some do some legwork afterwards, uh, moving all the contacts around. But uh, anyway... Uh, it looks like a couple of busy weekends for the state QSO party challenges. And, uh, geez, Russ, the uh, special events queue looks pretty empty. So I don't even know if I'm going to pass it over to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what we're going to do. As of the recording, the AWRL's website is offline. So it's been very difficult for me to find special event stations. However, the AWRL.org website is supposed to be back up before this episode gets released. So I'm going to leave this as a placeholder and do the intro, and then I'm going to fill it in with actual information. So, so you can throw it over to me, and then uh, we'll we'll make it look good in the post. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Russ, what do you have for special events this week? Well, coming up in special events, we've got a few things to talk about. And, of course, we won't talk about them here, but I will put them in. <laughs> so, all right, I'll, I'll flesh out that part. Yeah. If not, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it good. We'll, we'll make it good. All right. So moving along from the special event stations in amateur radio, we have an announcement, and that is the Smart Ham Fest, a local Southwest Missouri ham fest in Springfield, Missouri, is coming up on June 4th from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. The link will be in the show notes. Linux in the Ham Shack will have a presence there if you happen to be in the area and want to come say hello. And the other... Hamfest that was a week ago as of this recording got canceled because of a cluster fuge with the venue. So there was no Hamfest. I was not doing a talk. Linux and the Hamshack was not there because there was no Hamfest. So Oh, that was the Ors one, right? Or whatever? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering about that, whether that went off. That was that would have been yesterday from our recording date. Yeah. Yes. As of the release date, it was a week ago. But it, it was a non-thing. So, <laughs> so uh, but the Smart One is definitely going off. They've, they've secured that location. Uh, no problem there. So, we'll definitely be setting up at that one. And moving on from announcements, we have the Linux in the Hamshack Ham Radio Challenge. Last time around, we talked about Hamshack Hotline. I did set up a free PBX box and sort of got stymied halfway through, so I haven't really gotten anywhere with that. Anybody have anything they want to challenge people to do in the Ham Radio? Do a com, you know, do a contest or something or something fun. Maybe check out WFU if you've got an ICOM radio because it now has my code in it. <laughs> it's yeah, a very, very small piece of code, but it still has my code <laughs> in it. <laughs> See if it compiles on your system. Come crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't really have anything. I'm still working on Hamshack Hotline. I do want to at least get that to the point where it will actually do something. But yeah. I've got I've got more work to do on my end. So well, we can always put in there, participate in one of the uh, state QSO parties. There's seven of them, and you know, turn in a log for for one of them at least, and tell us how it went. 
Yeah, check that out. That would be good because there are a ton of them this time around for some reason in the next couple of weeks. So, and I probably should participate in my own. So, what? <laughs> see how that goes. All right, very good. Well, we're going to throw it back over to you, Bill, for this weekend in open source because you've got a distribution to try. And this is kind of a follow up from the last episode where you took a little bit of a look into Fedora 36. So, what do you got for us? Yeah. So, yeah, this is for the Fedora 36 beta 1.4 uh the full version is going to be out uh by april 19th hopefully cross fingers uh they're trying to beat uh, ubuntu no they're, they're really not they're just on their own schedule <laughs> it just happens that their release is coming out no right around the corner from uh right before uh, ubuntu uh the lts is coming out but anyway yeah fedora 36 uh, comes with the new shiny uh gnome 42 and uh yeah, so a lot of people have been talking about GNOME 42 uh, uh, breaking lots of stuff and everything else. Um, I, I tried it out. It uh, it works really, uh, really well. The dark mode is uh, actually pretty nice. Uh, a lot of good things in there. The the UI is super snappy. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's worth at least taking a look. If you haven't taken a look at uh, Fedora, and then, you know, this is probably a pretty good one to come take a look at. Even in its beta form, it, uh, is pretty, uh, it's pretty slick. And, uh, I don't think you'll be uh, disappointed in, the, in trying out a beta version of Fedora 36. It might kind of get you some excitement into installing, uh, Fedora 36 when it comes out. Uh, I'm not sure if you can update the beta into the full release version. I can't remember if that's a, uh, a thing or not. Uh, so your mileage may vary if you get too, uh, too deep in it. Uh, I know it only takes me a few minutes to get things set up and flip between operating systems because, you know, I'm a distro hopper. This is what I do. <laughs> but yeah, Fedora 36 beta 1.4, we gave it a readiness score of three, uh, 4.7, and that's only because uh, SDR Angel had some hiccups uh, running out of the DNF package upstate, uh, DNF uh, of package, you know, or whatever, the package from the repo. Um, and I haven't looked at that since the last episode because we record these back to back. So no difference uh, in change there, but SDR plus uh, plus runs and installs and it's the latest version. Um, so that's, that's awesome. Uh, and everything else is at its latest version. So you'll be, uh, you won't have any, uh, older software on there because Fedora 36 tries to stay or Fedora in general tries to stay pretty, pretty close to, uh, current on a lot of this software. It's not quite a rolling release because there is a slight delay, but, uh, you can expect, uh, new, new, new packages pretty quick, uh, in the operating system. But yeah, give, uh, Fedora 36 beta 1.4 a try. All right, very good. And now let's move on to some other stuff in open source, specifically upcoming open source events. And this is the category that we bring Cheryl in to talk about some of the stuff that's coming up over the next couple of weeks. And in this case, actually a little bit longer out because there's kind of a dead spot at the end of April. So what do we got going on? Okay, our first one is the PyCon DE and PyData Berlin. It is April 11th through the 13th. It's being held in Berlin, Germany. And the cost is free up to 240 euros if you're there. Or no, in person to be to be determined, excuse me. Um, 
the information on it says over the span of three days, attendees will have the opportunity to participate in workshops, attend live keynote sessions and talks, as well as get to know all fellow members of the Python and PyData communities. We aim to be an accessible, community-driven conference with novice to advanced level presentations. Tutorials and talks bring attendees the latest projectile, or excuse me, projectile, project features, along with cutting-edge use cases. The conference is organized by experts for other, uh, yeah, for other experts, providing an excellent quality level of content, and newcomers are explicitly welcome. And there'll be more information about that in the show notes. The next one is the SMB Tech Fest. It's April 14th. It's in Irvine, California. The cost is free to $795. The information for this one is SMB Tech Fest is the quarterly technology conference to attend. It provides solution providers, MSPs, VARs, cloud partners, security, telecom, IT pros, application partners, and more with industry experts, speakers, and content. The expo hall is filled with leading solutions and products. The IT mixer provides a social mixing to gain leads and new partnerships for more projects together. The sessions contain subject matter experts, and you will learn uh, today's latest technologies, best practices, marketing, sales, and more. Again, more info in the show notes. And the last one is Tech Nation 2022. It is May 12th. And it is in De Fabrique, Yetrek, Netherlands. The cost is 135 to 185 euros. The information is the new and approved edition of Tech Nation is approaching fast, and this year we're going to be in person again. At Tech Nation, you can broaden your knowledge in our hands-on labs, technical sessions, live demonstrations, and workshops, which are all focused in the technology of the next era. Tech Nation 2022 will bring more than 700 developers and the best speakers from all over the world. Featured topics include AI and ML, IoT and embedded systems, developer experience, modern infrastructure, security, and new and cool. Share your passion with like-minded people, improve your skills, and have fun in an easygoing atmosphere at Tech Nation. And more information about that is in the show notes. All right. Very good. And looking to the Linux and the Hamshack open source challenge based on my recent foray into contributing to open source, I said, look at the possibility of contributing to an open source project that you use and enjoy. It's, it's really a lot easier to get into than you might think. And since I've done it myself for the first time, well, second time recently, um, I, I'm discovering just how easy it is to become a contributor to open source and to give back to the community and to everybody who uses and leverages and enjoys open source software. So there's that. And now we get to bring Cheryl back in because we're down to the good stuff. We're diving into hedonism and because we're all human and we all have to eat, we always start with food. And this is one we talked about talking about on the last weekend or the one before that. I don't remember which, but uh, I definitely wanted Cheryl to talk about this one because it's super simple, but man, is it tasty. So what do we got? This time we are doing air fryer bang bang shrimp tacos. Um, and as Russ said, we had this a few weeks ago. We both loved it. Uh, he actually had leftovers uh, that he was still, you know, worshiping a few days later. It's a little sweet, it's a little spicy, and it is very good. So for this, you need mayonnaise, sweet chili sauce, some sriracha sauce, all-purpose flour, some panko breadcrumbs, some shrimp, 
some loose leaf lettuce or uh, some taco sized flour tortillas and some green onions uh, chopped if you want to use them. That's completely optional. So, and um, you could, instead of using an air fryer, I, I use our air fryer a lot, but you could also fry these if you wanted and, you know, have the calories from all the grease. But um, you make sure mayonnaise, chili sauce, sriracha together, uh, reserving a little of it back in a separate bowl for, you know, dipping or whatever. Um, bread your shrimp in the flour and the panko crumbs, um, but you also use the mayonnaise mixture to help with your breading and you put them in your air fryer for about 12 minutes and you have some nice yummy bang bang shrimp. So, and I've decided since that's kind of a Thai dish. To you didn't talk it. about the, the sauce you made or was that the, did you make a separate sauce? Well, you the made so- the, the, so- the mayonnaise, chili sauce and sriracha. I used some to dip the shrimp in for the flour and the panko. So the flour and panko would stick to the the shrimp. And then I had the same sauce that I'd reserved some of that I put in a squeeze bottle for you to put on the tacos. Right. But then there was also the stuff that went with the cabbage, which kind of made the whole thing a thing. So maybe oh, next time do that. Yeah, ne- yeah. Next time. Yeah. I actually, I guess I should back up a little bit. Um, I used, um, my recipe for my Baja fish tacos, the coleslaw to go on them. We actually use the same recipe for the coleslaw to put on these, even though the, you know, the taco doesn't actually, um, call for, uh, the, you know, coleslaw being used on it. Russ thought that sounded like a good idea because he really likes, um, the, the coleslaw from our fish tacos that I do. So, and I guess since I've already mentioned it, I will, uh, I will tuck that recipe in here as well. And it is, uh, a little bit of lime juice, some honey, um, some garlic powder, I think. I don't know. Anyway, as I said, I'll, I'll post the recipe for that and you can snag both recipes out of the show notes. So, and to go with, with the, uh, bang bang tacos, I picked the Thai lemongrass margarita and the information on it. We've, we have not fixed this yet because we don't have any lemongrass, but I'll grab some. Um, the information is lightly sweetened. This flavorful margarita is a Thai-inspired take on the classic tequila cocktail. Flavored with fresh ginger, lemongrass, and cilantro or Thai basil, this margarita is easy to make and fun to serve. And to rim it, you need kosher salt and curry powder. And, of course, lime to uh, dampen your rim. For the margarita itself, you need agave nectar, chopped ginger, chopped lemongrass, cilantro, or Thai basil, or regular sweet basil will also work, lime juice, uh, white tequila, and orange liqueur. So so you can uh, fix you some bang-bang tacos and have a Thai lemongrass margarita with them. So uh, that. Probably would have been really good, but yeah, the combination of the bang bang shrimp and the the coleslaw and stuff that goes with the Baja fish the Baja tacos. fish tacos. Which have yeah. you done the Baja fish tacos? I think uh, you have, right? May, yeah, I probably have. So yeah, you combine those two things together, and it's a it's a complete flavor bomb. They're they're so awesome. But <clears throat> yeah, I was I was nice. It was nice to have a few days of those. Whatever. Huh? Sorry, they were really good. <laughs> 
So moving on to my drink corner, I have tonight a whiskey called Uncle Nearest 1884 Small Batch. And, uh, yeah, the guy's name was actually Nearest. So, okay, not sure how that happened, but whatever. Uncle Nearest 1884 is the proud legacy of the godfather of Tennessee whiskey. Okay, Nearest Green. Each small batch comes from barrels chosen by our founders, and each blend is curated by fifth-generation green descendant master blender Victoria Edie Butler. Victoria's signature can be found on the back of every bottle of Uncle Nearest 1884 small batch whiskey. Let me see. Is her signature back there? Yep, it sure is. It's right there. Classy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's The label on this is, I don't know. It's not my favorite label. It's definitely... It's got an eye to being sort of old timey, but I think it fails a little bit, but that says nothing about what's in the bottle. So let's get to that. So the mash bill on this, I couldn't find one. So I'm going to call it undisclosed. It's at least 51% corn. All the reviews I saw of it say, so that makes it a bourbon. Technically, uh, they do not say it's a bourbon. They call it Tennessee whiskey, kind of like, Jack Daniels, but of course it is not, and it tastes nothing like Jack Daniels. The proof on it is 93, or 47.5%. It comes out of Shelbyville, Tennessee, apparently next to Springfield. The color on it is golden amber, and yes, I would say that's exactly it, because when you look at it in the light, there's a slight reddish hue there, so it's definitely a golden amber. The nose on it is, is sort of light and fleeting, and a little bit uh, acerbic there's a there's definitely some acrid uh content throughout this particular whiskey it's a non-age statement which means that it's aged at least seven years which seems like it would have mellowed out some of that some of that astringency but it didn't seem to work but there are some flavors that come through the nose on here i did get honey buttered toast banana dusty corn lemon vanilla and a light floral note. So the more you kind of peruse this thing with your nose and, you know, swing your nose around the glass, you definitely pick up various things. The taste on it also not super heavy, especially for being aged seven years in Tennessee. But um, that that sort of alcoholic astringent quality comes out again, and it's not particularly present or pleasant, but it does come along with some other things like agave, so it's almost like a tequila nose to it a little bit. Vanilla, apple, butterscotch, and toasted oak. See, all of this sounds like it's really good, but that astringency kind of wipes out any anything that would make this really flavorful. And the finish on it is a medium medium to short length. It's 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 hot. It's still got that astringency in it, and it has a little bit of a hint of baking spice, butter, and banana as it finishes out before you take your next sip. Um, there's lots of flavors in here. And generally speaking, when I do a review on a whiskey that has some complexity and, and a variety of flavor profiles, that tends to make it better. It doesn't for this because that alcohol forwardness kind of wipes out any pleasure you get from the, the aromas and the tastes you're getting. So I don't like this very much. It also does not make a particularly good old-fashioned. So it doesn't make a terrible old-fashioned, but it doesn't improve anything. So my rating for this is 84, and that's for both neat 
and as a cocktail mixer. So uh, it's not it's not too pricey. It's about fifty bucks for a seven hundred and fifty. But honestly, I think you can find a lot better whiskey for a little mess a little less money uh, than this. So I I don't think I'd rush out and buy it. It's something you want to try. You, you certainly could. It, it's not terrible. I mean, you know, mid eighty score is is okay. But I'd want to be spending twenty to thirty dollars for something with an eighty four rating, not fifty to sixty. Anyway, that's all I have to say about Uncle Nearest eighteen eighty four small batch. Bill, what do you got? Yummy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a uh, Kill Beggin single pot still uh, Irish whiskey, of course. I'm in Ireland. Come on, there's only one kind of whiskey you get here. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have scotch uh, in Ireland. I'm sure you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, Kill Bacon Single Pot Still is a glorious, this is their description, glorious tribute to the town and to those who kept its whiskey alive, proudly wearing the color of County Westmeath on its label. It is the second limited release whiskey to be 100% distilled and matured at Ireland's oldest licensed distillery and the oldest expression to be released since the distillation resumed at Kill Bacon in 2010 double distilled once through the oldest working whiskey pot still in the world kilbegan single pot still is a unique mash of malted barley raw barley and two and a half percent oats that was inspired by historical recipes from the distillery's heyday in the late 1800s uh details uh yeah malt barley and oats as the mash bill as you just heard uh proof on this is 86 it's 43 percent alcohol uh, region, of course, is County Westmeath, Ireland. Strangely enough, I don't know if it's strange at all, but uh, it's about five miles from uh, Tullamore Dew <laughs> Distillery. So they're really close neighbors to each other. Um, color on it's light amber, and from the distillery's perp, uh, you know, their 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 notes here. Uh, the nose is initial fresh, crisp aroma, followed by apple, pear, and melon. Jasmine and hazelnut notes combined with an almost honeycomb sweetness. Um, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, the taste. <laughs> the taste. Spice becomes apparent, but not overbearing with summer fruits and citrus. Uh, warming mid palate with fresh mint leaf flavor leading to a rich, creamy mouth feel. I will have to say, like, the very first bit I had of this, I thought it was like that, that spice kind of hit me very face first. Um, but it's, it's, it's mellowed out. <clears throat> through the evening <laughs> yeah just like uh, my my uh, cocktails here have been getting better as time goes on but that doesn't yeah, mean they really are better so. i don't yeah. understand why <laughs> uh the finish initially soft mellow and smooth creamy finish uh, lingering spice and dryness as the oat influence becomes evident um yeah it's it's actually it's it's good it's it's a it's a really good uh good whiskey it's not great but it's good um, the price on it was 60 euros. Of course, that was right at the distillery. I believe this one is available in the U.S. for about $40 a bottle. So, yeah, I paid extra for it to get one here. Um, but I expect that when I go to the distillery shop <laughs> and not get this out of a liquor store. I could probably buy it at the liquor store a lot cheaper as well. Uh, but yeah, it actually is, uh, is, is pretty good. Like I said, that very first, uh, that very first taste was a bit off, maybe because I don't know. Um, Maybe I just need to breathe a little bit because uh, now it's it's really it really tastes uh, decent. 
Um, yeah, so the rating is good on it. It's not not very good, but it's good. So it's about a four out of five. Um, I, I don't think you'd be disappointed. It's definitely a it's definitely um, a good representative of of a pot still Irish whiskey that I've had so far. It's it's pretty good. Oh, very good. I might have to give that a shot. Kilbegan is available at Total Wine, and from what I have just read, apparently it was the distillery was revived by Teeling. So, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like the, the well, whiskey in general was wiped off the face of the earth over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the 70s for, for many years. Um, um, multitude of reasons. So yeah, you see a lot of the distilleries have just reopened or are reopening or are just starting, but you know, they've had stuff still. Some of the older ones have had stuff in storage, obviously, and didn't completely dry up. They just w- weren't distilling for like, you know, 20, 30 years too. <laughs> so I guess um, one of the uh one of the latest ones over there to come back from that is England. There are very few English distilleries and they're just now starting to produce whiskey so it's it's pretty rare at this point yeah so most of the stuff you're going to find is either new or from one of the ones that didn't didn't you know didn't close down or maybe it was from old old uh, old stock or what have you it's uh, yeah each distillery has its own story and own background and it's it's yeah it's it's an interesting interesting mix of stuff um so I just mentioned because uh, we're talking about distilleries. I actually went to this distillery last week. Uh, I also went to Bushmills. Uh, Bushmills was not open for visitors, not even like the shop was open for visitors. So I wasn't able to stop in there. And of course, that's up there in Northern Ireland in uh, Bushmill. Um, and I also stopped at Jameson this past week uh, here in, uh, well, just outside of Cork, about 12 kilometers outside of town is a little town called Middleton, which is where they actually produce uh, the Jameson. Uh, whiskey, not up in Dublin where their little fake uh, showroom is. <laughs> that people coming to to Dublin, you know, of course, go visit and stuff like that. But everything's made down down here. Uh, some of the, I think the Jameson stuff is is either bottled up there, possibly, or some cases I don't know. Uh, but anyway, most of the stuff's done in 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 uh, Middleton, which is which is down here uh, by Cork. And some of the some of the better Irish whiskey is stuff that's actually bottled as Middleton. Middleton makes a lot of whiskey, and they also make a lot of whiskey that goes into whiskey by other names. But they also produce a product called Middleton, and that's yes. some of the better Irish whiskey out there. So, yeah, I have a I I did pick up a bottle of Powers while I was there. I got their twelve year. I think that's available in the U.S. too. Most almost everything that they have there is available in the U.S. Um, yeah, there's there's not much that's here that's not available in the U.S. if it's been around for a while. <laughs> so uh, there are some distiller stuffs, but they you know I I really wasn't interested in the description of the distillers uh, reserve that they had at Jameson, and I didn't stay around for a taste or anything else like that. So basically, I just I bought a bottle off the shelf. That I just wanted to drink. I may may drink it before I leave, or I may uh, I may I may bring it home. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Probably drink it before I leave. We'll see. But it's a twelve year old <laughs> bottle, uh, the twelve year bottle of uh, Powers. Ah, so, all right, very good. And uh, one quick correction: I I said forty seven point five percent on the Uncle Nearest. It's actually forty six percent, forty six point five because I can't math. Um, <laughs> 
And um, you mentioned oats in in the Kilbegan, and yeah. that's that's one thing that's starting to show up in American whiskey is is oats as part of the mash bill. There are not a lot of distillers who are doing it yet, and I have not actually had an oated whiskey up till now. They are there are some and they are available, and that's something I definitely want to look at because it definitely provides a completely different flavor profile for whiskey. So I'm looking forward to checking out some oated whiskeys uh, going forward, but haven't had one yet. So cool. Well, this would be uh one you could try. It's, it's, it, I think, I think you would like it. It's um, yeah, it's, it's quite pleasant. It's a quite pleasant drinker for sure. All right. I will look for it. Well, that brings us down to the end of the show. We've done the amateur radio. We've done the open source. We've done the hedonism and we've come to the end. So we want to thank everybody for listening we want to thank everybody who joined us live in the chat room today. We had John K1BTZ, Ted WA0EIR, Tony K4XSS, and Mike K6GTE. And we want to thank all of you who download the show, who support us financially and help keep the lights on and everything else. We hope you have an enjoyable couple of weeks and will join us for the next weekender and, of course, for the next Long Topic and Deep Dive episodes coming up as we release them. We really appreciate you listening. If it weren't for all of you, we wouldn't be here doing this. And uh, we hope you enjoy, and we look forward to talking to you next time around. This has been episode number 461, the 89th edition of The Weekender. We'll catch you all soon. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.